Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come together as a church. And as we've heard these words, now is the time to arise. Now is the time to love with your arms. Now is the time to see with your eyes. Lord, may that bind around us. May it never leave us, that they may know us by our love. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to read out of the book of Jonah, and we're reading the whole book. It's not long, it's a minor prophet. For those who may not know, minor prophets are just simply on the amount of content. That's why they're called minor prophets. But before we get into the reading, I would like to share a little bit about how the Lord convicted me to open to this particular chapter. I knew the theme, and when I got the call, of course hoping maybe just a a class this year, but found out that it would be the opening message. For some reason, the Lord laid on my heart, you need to read the book of Jonah. That was my first thought. And as I've delved into the book and tried to understand what this book has for us this evening and possibly through the week, it's become much more clear to me. The other thought that immediately came to my mind was a message that was delivered in this very sanctuary four years ago. In fact, I was hoping technically we could show a part of that a little early in the week to ask those kind of things. But I am curious, and I'm, I'd like to, to pull the, the audience of, of who remembers four years ago, 2015, Monday night, uh, Brother Beziel, Beziel and his message. I, I'd like to see who... who wow. Now, I, I'd like to ask the question, do you remember what his message was about? What was his message about? What was his message about? Go. Go. And it was a powerful message. And you can get on the live stream, by the way, and look that up. And I would encourage each one of you. So tonight, after the message, you can say, Brother Gibb didn't tell us to go. We all told ourselves to go. But in that message, I just want to highlight a couple of facts that really stuck out to me and I think that most of us will always remember. The first was, as he stood up here on the stage and he said, I am the result of go. And you know, when you hear that, it takes you back a little bit because you know somebody, and we know who, made the sacrifice to go and he's walking on the stage. Evidence, results. The other thing that he said that was so powerful to me, he said, 
everything that we have in this church, every song we sing, the Bibles we have, the salvation we can experience is because Jesus, the Lord himself, went and came to this earth. It's a result of go. Our lesson title is Go Ye, and tomorrow morning we'll get into the go part of that lesson. And so I, I hope that you can think about that. I hope you will go look at that message. And I'm not sure if I'm as gifted as that brother who, who came up with that, with that term of go that none of us who were there probably will ever forget. But I, I thought of some words that I hope that you can try to remember as well. As I read tonight's text, I would like for you to think about First of all, I, I would like for you to focus and understand how much God is in control. Despite what we do, despite what we think, God is in control. And this is probably one of the most fascinating books that we have to read and see how God did control things. The other the three words I'd like for you to, to think about, and as I read, maybe you can, you can find these, is the mission, the message, and the miracle. The mission, the message, and the miracle. Now, there's more themes in this book than that. But I want you to think about that. And I also want you to understand a little bit before we even get in the text again is, is who Jonah was. First of all, he was a real prophet. He was a prophet that probably lived during the time of King Jeroboam II. You can actually find it. I won't read it tonight. It's in 2 Kings. And he prophesied to the northern kingdom. This was shortly after the kingdom, kingdoms divided. Probably around 750, 800 B.C. Most of the time when you read from the prophets... Isaiah, Daniel, Joel, you read about their writings, about their prophecies. But this prophet, we read about his life. This was a very prosperous time, by the way, for the people of Israel. They lived under a wicked king. I think most know that there were no good kings in the northern kingdom, and this was no exception. But they lived in prosperity. Now, I want to tell you this because I think it's an important backdrop and I think you'll see the comparisons of who we are and where we live today. There was a dominant force that was on the scene and that was the Assyrians. The capital was Nineveh, a big city. 
These were brutal people. They were vicious in their battle tactics. They were known for bringing out their captives in front of the gates and hanging them on posts. They were Gentiles. And we're going to read the mission that was given to Jonah. I want you to think about that because I, as I put it in today's terms, I would almost think, can you imagine an Orthodox Jew going into an ISIS cave and telling them God's going to judge them? The mission. My prayer is that this week, each one of us can think about the mission that you and I have that God gives so clearly in his word. Let's read the, the book of Jonah. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof, went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and he lay fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God. If so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And they said, every one to his fellow, come and let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us? What is thine occupation? And whence comest thou? What is thy country? And of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto them, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then said they unto him, What shall we do to thee that this sea may be calm unto us? For the sea was wrought and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up, cast me forth into the sea, and so shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to land, but they could not, for the sea was wrought, and the tempestuous was against them. Wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah 
and cast him into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. <clears throat> then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly, and he said, I cried by reason of my affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainteth within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thy holy temple. And they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. And the word of the Lord came the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went into Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter to the city a day's journey. And he cried and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For the word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way. And God repented of this evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. But it displeased Jonah. Jonah was exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and a merciful 
and slow to anger and of great kindness and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then said the Lord, dost thou well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and he sat on the east side of the city and there made him a booth and sat under it until the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceedingly glad of the gourd. But then God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day and it smote the gourd that it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did rise that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and he wished in himself to die. And he said, it is better for me to die than to live. <clears throat> and God said to Jonah, <clears throat> dost thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry even unto death. Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, for the which thou hast not labored, neither hast made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right and their left hand, and also much cattle? feel it was important to read the whole book. Jonah had a mission. It was very clear, his mission, to go to Nineveh. You almost need a map to understand what Jonah was doing here. If you would look and you would look where Nineveh is at from where he was at in, in Jerusalem or in that area, you would see that Nineveh was 500 and some miles northeast. Instead, what Jonah does is gets on a ship, which, by the way, I've heard is the name of that ship was Escape. He gets on this ship, and he goes 5,000 miles, maybe 4,800 not. 4,800, 5,000 nautical miles, the other direction, the complete opposite direction. And he's hoping to get on that ship to escape God. Now I have to tell you that this particular book is challenged by a lot of critics. I have to tell you that um, you know, I'm thankful in our Sunday schools. There's probably not a Sunday school here that hasn't talked about the belly of the whale and Jonah. But some are really skeptical that such a thing could happen. And all of these things could happen, that God could control so many things. But I found it interesting that when Jesus was asked about signs, that he used the book of Jonah. 
You can find it in Luke 11. You can also find it in Matthew. And when the people were gathered together, he began to say, this is an evil generation. They seek a sign, and there shall be no sign given but the sign of Jonas the prophet. For as Jonas was a sign unto the Ninevites, so shall also the Son of Man be to this generation. Jesus didn't hint that this was a parable. Jesus didn't say the sign of Isaiah or Daniel or Joel. He said the prophet Jonah. And not only that, he took this incredible miracle of a man in a belly and said this is the sign that you will see. And we know that the Lord went into the bottoms of the earth for three days and rose again on the third day. Third being complete. Unless there are some out there that think that tonight's message is going to be simply to provoke us to go out into the missions and we're going to talk about that, I also want to point out that in this particular scripture, Jesus said, for as Jonas was a sign unto the Ninevites, so shall also this Son of Man be to this generation. And then in verse 32, the men of Nineveh shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonas, and behold, a greater than Jonas is here. I'm always taken back a little bit when you start looking at the converted and unconverted in the camp, and there's an amazing amount of uh, unconverted this year at camp, and some in the 20s. Do you know this prophecy could be to you? Because you had men in Nineveh that had a message of judgment and immediately repented. You have the sign of Jesus Christ who died on the cross for you. I don't know what you're waiting for. I don't know what you have to believe. But the men of Nineveh know, and they will judge you if you fail to believe. You know, this is sometimes called the reluctant prophet. I almost want to say the prodigal prophet. It reminds me so much of the prodigal son in Luke 15. And there's no mistake whether it's the prodigal son running from his father or the mission of Jonah running from his father, the Lord God. You cannot escape God. He will come for you. He knows where you are. He knows your excuses. You cannot escape. Jonah found out the hard way. I want to go back to Jonah. And we want to look at why he didn't want to go to Nineveh. I mentioned the, the Assyrians. These were difficult people. They were pagans. This would not be comfortable for him to do. So he's going to run, get on the ship, and guess where God puts him? In a ship with pagans. 
Phoenician pagans. And it's fascinating to read this first chapter to me as I've looked at it. He obviously had conversations not all recorded here. But if you see once, this, once God in control brings this tempest about, all of a sudden there's panic. And, and the men, they start to pray to their gods. They probably Baal, could have been others. But, but now they kind of gave on that, uh, up on that pretty quick and they, and they go down to find Jonah. Jonah, and where is Jonah? He is asleep. Jonah doesn't care. And they have to come down and wake him up. Oh, sleeper, wake up. Where are you from? Who are you? What's going on here? And, and, and the men, and I, and I want to point this out. You know, I think this book of Jonah can be taken in a couple of different ways about the mission we have to go and the people that we have to reach. And the miracles and the message that can happen. These men. He gives the message, and it's not much. You don't read a whole lot about the message here. He, he confesses that, and he said unto them, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord God of heaven, which made the heaven and earth. Here's, here's an Orthodox Jew, and he, was, he had his theology right. He knew the Lord. He, he, as we would find out later, would call upon the Lord. And these men, almost without question, start to believe him. And if you notice, even when they, they knew that they had to throw him over, they, they cried out to the Lord God. We forgive us. And it, it even gets to the point in verse 16 that says, the men feared exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to Baal? No. A sacrifice to the Lord. Personal evangelism. You know, this is an example of how we are sometimes brought in through difficult times with certain individuals. You know, sometimes we're called to be certain places and, and at certain times do certain things. I'd like for each one of you to think about what your mission is. I'm not here to tell you. God will tell you. I'm not here, and maybe some of you are thinking that God's going to promote missions across. Yes, I am. Or maybe you think God's going to, to promote local. Yes, I am. You need to know what your mission is and it needs to be in line with the ultimate mission to go into all the world. And that probably is not going to be comfortable. It's probably going to be a challenge. Some of you are raising children. I have a couple of daughters that are doing that. 
I think you probably know what your mission is, young sisters. Some of you have been called to, to certain outreaches, maybe small churches, and some have been called to other countries like we heard the brother from Papua New Guinea. And let me tell you, when you sit around the table and you listen to the needs of some of these missions, I, can, I think I can share that as, even as elders we sit around, we just don't have enough help. When you listen to the places they go, the lack of supplies, the sexual abuse, the unbelievable living conditions, thank God there are people who are willing to go to those places. Our message needs to be the truth. I will give Jonah this credit. He did not water down the message. Judgment is coming. God doesn't tolerate sin. We can't water down our message. We don't need to. And we live in a culture that very much likes for us to do that. Did it seem, did it seem interesting that as we read this last particular verse in this chapter, by the way, Jonah ends with a question, right? We'll talk about that. But he says that there are six score thousand, 120,000 people that can't discern their left hand from their right hand. Have you ever seen a time in the, our country, in this world, where there is no discernment? Absolutely none. And there are people out there that need that discernment. They need to know. They need to know the truth. And the message needs to go forth unwavering. The message needs to be personal. We see that happen for Jonah in chapter 2. We can read about it. Can you imagine? You know, he's over the ship now. He's heading down to the bottom of the sea. He's talking about all of that. Caught up in the seaweed, and next thing you know, he's in, in, this, in this fish. And it, it, it's not known exactly what he was referring to, but there's a good chance when he talks about going into the temple that he realized he has sinned. And he's confessing that. And God wants to use him despite the fact he doesn't want to go. Some might ask, you know, why even did God use no, Jonah? I mean, here's a, he doesn't seem like he's happy ever in this whole experience. And I wonder if maybe it's because the Lord wants to tell us not to be like Jonah and to show us when we are obedient to the Lord in uncomfortable circumstances. Wherever the Lord has put us, God can do miracles. And the turning point for Jonah was this particular verse, and he said, salvation is of the Lord. Our personal message needs to go forth. Salvation is of the Lord. We shouldn't be, have to hide that at all in our lives. 
and that's all God needed, boom, he's out. And then the miracle, an amazing miracle. Now, now Jonah's out on the land. Now he's going to finally go to Nineveh, but he's still not happy, but he goes anyways. And it's a three, I mean, this city's big. It takes three days to get through it. He's not even halfway through it. Makes me wonder if he just didn't have the enthusiasm. But he shares the message, calls for judgment, and in a miraculous way, this whole city comes to their knees, humbles themselves, fasts, and prays. Wow. Sometimes, we underestimate even the smallest mission we have and the smallest message we give and how the miracle can happen. When I think of, sometimes you read events like this thousands of years ago, and if you put it into contemporary terms, somewhat contemporary, I think of, uh, I think of those in, in like World War II those who might have been in concentration camps. I, I think, uh, and some will know, this, uh, this particular occasion from a book called The Hiding Place and Corrie ten Boom, who, who found herself in Ravensbrück, one of the concentration camps, who sit there, who basically was demoralized in, in front of these German soldiers and they were put in these horrible living conditions. Beds that were made for four, they had 16. And she watched her sister basically die of malnutrition, who was weak at birth with a, 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 a disease. And yet they kept the faith. And they prayed for these men despite the awful conditions. But the, and of course the, the camps were liberated. And she had the call to go back to Germany. To go back to a, a land that was hurting. The land that needed healing. To start an orphanage. And she gave a message, probably in front of a crowd similar to this. And when she got done, a man approached her. And he said, Fraulein, I just wanted to know, let you know, I've accepted God's mercy to become a Christian. Will you forgive me? She said she was paralyzed. She recognized this man who humiliated her, who watched her sister die in a concentration camp. And she said to herself, the Lord Jesus died for this man. Can I do anything less? And she describes the moment as she, what seemed like was probably just seconds, but seemed like hours for her hand to go up and reach his hand. And she said when she did that, she felt the love of God coming from her heart to his heart in forgiveness, in healing.
sometimes the Lord does his best work when we're not comfortable. Where do we live? Where do we build our churches? In nice, safe communities, close to church members? I I mean, I'm somewhat guilty of that too. This message goes to me as well. If you look at Jonah, Jonah didn't have a doctrine problem. He didn't have a theology, theology problem. He had a heart problem. He had a heart problem because because God was forgiving too much. He was loving too much. He was forgiving too quickly. And he punished too slowly. And brothers and sisters, and I wonder as we go out, and I I know C.S. Lewis wrote it, a quote, I won't quote it exactly, but he said, you never meet a, a mere mortal. You never meet a mo- mere mortal. Those that you, that you know at work or your neighbors or even your loved ones that part of your family, they're, they're not mere mortals. They will ever be, they will, will be either in a mortal horror or in everlasting splendor. When you look into the eyes of those you work with or your neighbors, do you look into their eyes with the love and realize there's only two destinations that they will have to go? And they will either be that immortal whore in the gates of hell or an everlasting splendor in in the gates of heaven. Where's your heart? Or are you sleepy like Jonah? Do you care? I'm here today because someone went. We have a gospel, we have a a doctrine that's very powerful and can draw in miraculous ways people who need discernment. Do we care? Don't tell me. Don't tell me that you can't be on the opposite direction of where God wants you and be at peace, at least for a while. Jonah was really at peace going the wrong way. Some people come to me and, you know, I'm at peace with this to leave the church and I'm at peace with this, you know, to leave a marriage or to leave, you know, all these kind of things. Be careful with that. And discernment comes in his word and discernment comes with fellowship and our working together and loving each other to help us Jonah, you know, just didn't get it. And it makes you wonder how, after so much success, this is probably the greatest revival written in the scriptures, by the way. And it's probably not just 120,000 in the city, it was probably much more than that. Can you imagine? Some say up to 500,000, half a million people. But Jonah, but Jonah goes out and goes out into the to the 
to the beach there. He gets outside the city, uh, and he's basically kind of pouting because God, you know, didn't really do what he thought. And so he's out in this heat, and he builds a little shed, and the heat comes up, and probably sweating like I am now. And, and this gourd comes. This gourd comes, and ah, got some relief. And then, but then all of a sudden, God brings this worm and, and destroys this thing. And now he's hot again, and he just wishes he could die. And the wind, which represents God's judgment, comes and, hit him and hits him in the face. And he still doesn't get it. And that's why he leaves with this question. Jonah, Jonah. And should I not spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right and their left hand, and also the cattle? And God said to Jonah, Dost thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well. Pretty adamant. Then said, he, then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd for which you didn't have anything to do with. For your own comfort, Lord, take care of me. I'm comfortable. But I don't really care that much about what happens to Nineveh and the judgment which would have been to hundreds of thousands of people, children. Do you care? Do you care? My prayer is that through this week we can really think about what our mission is, what our message needs to be. Wherever you're planted, grow and have the faith of a miracle. The poet has said, the master calleth long and hard. Who will go for me today? The fields are white, the harvest ready. Who will bear the sheaves away? The master calleth long and hard. Rich rewards he offers free. Who will answer gladly saying, Lord, Lord, here am I. Send me. May God add his blessings. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much, most of all, that we know the blessed Savior, Jesus Christ, who made it possible for us to come to camp, that we live in a country that makes it available to all who want to come and hear the words of Jesus that want to follow after the man who told us tonight to go. Father, none of us in this room are better than the people in Nineveh. None of us in this room are better than the people in Damascus, Syria. Lord, but what makes us better is that Jesus Christ has offered us the way. We have heard the message. And for some of us, we're thankful, Lord, that you gave us the grace 
to accept that message. And in that same train of thought, there are those here that are asleep, that the message just hasn't sunken in. Lord God, you have assured us in your word that if we ask great things of you, that you will be faithful. On behalf of every believer in this room, we bring those with us here that are lost and going to hell and pray, Lord, that you'd go to the belly of the ship and wake them up this week. Lord, love them into eternity, we pray, and we ask, Father, that you'd use us to go and to send your message to this world. Continue to bless us this evening. We pray in and ask your blessing upon Brother Irwin this evening, and that you'd continue to bless us with your love and grace. Through Jesus Christ's precious name, amen.